You are Locked On Clippers Postcast, part of Locked On Los Angeles on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hi and welcome in. I am Pete Fox. Thank you for joining me here on the Locked On Clippers Postcast. This one is not officially over yet, but it is over. It has been for quite a while. Under three minutes to go. Thought I would jump in a little early and get to it. Clippers in DC against the Wiz. Thank you for watching us on the Locked On Sports LA YouTube channel and listening on the Locked On Clippers podcast feed. I have been covering sports in LA. Clippers, Dodgers, Trojans, Bruins, Kings, Ducks, Lakers, Clippers, dating back to. 2007, I also worked for NBC Sports Radio. Clippers continue to roll. They're now 22 and 5. And in about two minutes or so, they'll be 23 and 5, dating back to December 1st. They uh, went in tonight against the Washington Wizards, coming off of a loss against the Cavs in Cleveland, where it seemed like they. You know, had a tough time with the Cavs' defense. Uh, I didn't feel like they would have a tough time tonight against the Wizards. Uh, the first quarter, Wizards played well. Kyle Kuzma had a heck of a night. We'll get into the final stats once the buzzer sounds. But the Wiz hung in there in the first. Clippers only led by two at the end of uh, the first quarter, 37-35. James Harden got off to a good start, hit a pair of threes early. Kawhi Leonard got off to a hot start. Finished hot, leading the way for the Clippers in limited minutes because they've been dominating uh, since midway through the third quarter. Largest lead of the night for the Clippers in this one, 29 points. And uh, just cruising, right? Uh, making baskets. Uh, the reason that it was close was not because the Clippers played poorly. In the first quarter, Clippers shot 59%, and the Wiz shot 57%. So they were both making buckets. Uh, the evaluation at halftime from Brian Shaw was Clippers needed to play a more physical style of defense, which is exactly what they did in the third quarter, and uh, pulled out to that gargantuan lead. So uh, I look at a game like this, and I have to kind of take a step back and say, what what do we learn from this? Or how do we feel about the Clippers after a win like this? Do we kind of pound our chest and go, yeah, take that, you nine-win wizard team? Or do we say, well, they could be better here, better there? There's some stats that I'm going to share with you here in a little bit about all of that uh, that are very encouraging about the trajectory of this Clippers team, where they're going and what it can mean long-term. Because when you dominate a team like this with nine wins, who fired their coach about five games ago, I believe Wes Unseld was his name, Wes Unseld Jr. Uh, some guy named Keith is now coaching the team. Uh, has worked for a bunch of different teams, the Oklahoma City Thunder, so he was familiar with, uh, with um, the Harden and Restbrook. Uh, he also coached for the Lakers, so... Uh, probably familiar with Kyle Kuzma, who is a former Laker. But it seemed like the team, in the, at least in the first half, can come away, the Wizards, that is, can come away with some encouraging thoughts. 
and feel like they're much better than their record would indicate. They did not look like a nine-win team in the first half, making a lot of baskets, uh, playing defense, and, uh, you know, doing what you need to do as an effective basketball team, taking good looks, uh, working the perimeter, passing the ball nicely. It wasn't like they were settling for bad looks. They were playing some good basketball. So I, I feel like the Wizards are young, and they're still trying to f- rebuild, figure it out, decide whether this Keith guy is their new coach or if they're going to find somebody else. Uh, but ultimately, they're not as bad as a nine-win team would indicate. Uh, another stat to kind of go towards that was they came into this game uh, a stat I'm not too terribly familiar with. So you'll have to forgive me on this one because I don't exactly know what it means, but I can kind of figure it out. Uh, they are the number one fast break pace team in the league. So I'm assuming that means something to the effect of from rebound to basket or attempt at a basket, they do it quicker than anyone in the league. And then I started thinking, how in the world is a nine-win team number one at anything, right? <laughs> so it did keep them in the first half. It made it interesting. You could tell that they were proficient at that. They didn't run a ton of fast breaks because, as we know, the Clippers are good at defending the break. Defending in transition is one of the things they hang their hat on. When they're not defending in transition, Ty Lue is upset. So they know how to handle that. This is something that does speak to a nine-win team worst rebounding team in the league. Now that's just, that's both offense and defense. They are the worst rebounding team in the league. They at one point uh, grabbed the lead. There was three lead changes in this game. So it wasn't all Clippers. It is now gone final Clippers win it 125, 109. And again, led by as many as 29 points in this uh, and not a ton of runs. Uh, they had an 11-0 run at one point. That was probably during the third quarter when the game really had kind of gotten out of hand. Uh, another stat I found very, very interesting. In the last five games, speaking of fast breaks, the Clippers have averaged 22 points on fast breaks, and that is number one in the league over the last five games, and 60 points in the paints over the last five games. That's good for number four in the league. So those are two stats that are vastly different points in the paint and running the fast break. And they're doing both of those things very well. We'll take our first break, come back and get into our bucket list, which uh, I wrapped up rather quickly in tonight's victory. Clippers win it in DC capital one center over the whiz 125 109. They now improve to 30 and uh, I'm sorry, 31 and 15 and are 12 and 11 on the road. All right. Let us get to one of our big sponsors, eBay Motors. As soon as I hit this, wow. eBay Motors, they've teamed up with our locked on fantasy guy, Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week. I'm going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week. eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week is Josh Hart. Hart should be a big winner due to the Randall injury and uh, would be seeing a lot of extra minutes over the next few weeks. So uh, get Josh Hart in your lineup 
along with uh, the information from Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Going to help you with your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors is going to help you become a more proficient fixer of your own car. Because they know a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same goes with your vehicle. I have personally used eBay Motors many times to uh, fix things that aren't major. Brakes, brake lights, headlights, things of that nature. It always saves me a ton of money. And I always find the exact part to fit my car. It's never been, oh, this is the wrong one. I got to send it back. It is always the right one. As long as you put in the right information about your car, it's going to say, yes, this fits your car or no, it does not fit your car. And if you compare the prices to other places, price match, if you will, you're going to save a ton of money. They have 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever you need for your baby. eBay Motors has it and eBay Motors has the guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay, guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Uh, our bucket list tonight came together fairly early because uh, the Clippers were dominating and taking care of business uh, in the first quarter. And with Paul George out, it was almost like he didn't notice that Paul George was out. He was dealing with a growing strain. Uh, it kind of, I would never want to say that they don't need Paul George, but at the same time, with an embarrassment of riches, when you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, who tonight was fantastic in 30 minutes, 14 of 25, just one three, perfect from the line, going two of two. Uh, but he finished with 31 points, four steals. So just taking care of it all over the floor. Nine rebounds, five of them defensive boards, and one blocked shot. Uh, he was almost single-handedly uh, capable of beating this Wiz team. He was so good. I, I guess you would expect bigger numbers, but they had him sitting for most of the fourth quarter. Again, in 30 minutes, he scored 31 points, well over 50% shooting, 14 of 25. So it's just, I mean, you run out of superlatives for this guy. You run out of ways to describe how confident he looks on the floor, how proficient he is. Uh, Brian Seaman described his play as a calm demeanor. I use that term lately to describe James Harden, who had a good night as well. Uh, James Harden played with a little bit more energy tonight, and Kawhi Leonard did have that extremely calm demeanor, barely breaking a sweat, barely smiling, just filling it up all night long. Uh, James Harden in 33 minutes, uh, 7 of 15, so just under 50%, but he had 25 points. He had nine rebounds and only five assists, which I was surprised to see that number, six of six from the line and five threes. So uh, very, very nice night from beyond the arc at 50% for him. Thought he had more assists. It kind of felt like he was dishing all over the place. Uh, but tonight, he didn't necessarily need that as much. He had some very uh, on-point passes, as we're used to seeing from James Harden of late. Again, finishing with 25 points. And Amir Coffey, who got the start in Paul George's place, played 21 minutes, missed just two shots, hit both threes, finishing with 17 points. 
So a very efficient night for him. Uh, taking care of business. Amir Coffey in 21 minutes, scoring 17 points. Terrence Mann, the other starter, two of six from the floor uh, for just six points. Missed all three of his uh, three-pointers. So the Clippers dominate tonight, 125-109. Our bucket list goes like this. Number five, Amir Coffey had a driving layup off of a steal from Kawhi Leonard and uh, basically a half-court pass that was at the 7.04 mark of the first It made it 18 to 12 Clippers. Uh, The number four shot tonight on our bucket list, Norm Powell had back-to-back threes, one at about 240 and then one at 139 to make it 35-29. Then on to the second half, uh, our number three basket, Kawhi Leonard, missed uh, and followed for a layup, which was, it was just Kawhi being Kawhi. He missed the shot, followed it, got the layup, that was at 1031 of the third, made it 7160. Our number two bucket tonight on the bucket list. James Harden had a three at the 542 mark. This pushed the lead uh, back to 1084 64. Uh, that's when they started to really pull away. And the number one basket of the night was from Kawhi Leonard, but he got a fantastic highlight reel pass from Russell Westbrook, where he penetrated down the lane, spun around, did like a 180 in the air, and dished it to. Kawhi, who put it through the hoop, uh, that was under a minute to go in the third to make it 104-79. And from there, the Clippers just basically uh, took took their foot off of the gas and cruised to victory, leading by as many as 29. They win it 125-109 and are now 23-5, and dating back to December 1st. We'll take our final break. When we return, we'll get into superlatives. We'll preview... Uh, Our next matchup, which happens on Friday in Detroit, not a whole lot to say there, but it is uh, something kind of interesting about the Detroit Pistons that you may not know. Tell you about that next. All right, let's talk about LinkedIn jobs, LinkedIn jobs. My wife is a big fan of LinkedIn jobs. As a matter of fact, she told me today that she got an interesting offer via LinkedIn jobs for a job, uh, another job from an old employer <laughs> that, that she left and not in the best of ways, <laughs> you know, kind of like, uh, I'm done with you. I'm on to my next challenge. So evidently, um, I don't know if it's because of LinkedIn. Let's hope that it is. Uh, They are aware that she worked there. I'd have to assume, but they, uh, I guess, no hard feelings. And they uh, have offered her another job as to whether or not she's going to take it. That remains to be seen. But uh, with the start of a new year, every small business uh, is looking to answer the same question for themselves. What's the one move I can make this year that'll make my business go to the next level in 2024? And that's LinkedIn jobs. They know your success all depends on your team and the people you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster. And most importantly, it is free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality versus leading competitors when it comes to hires. Quality hires is very, very important for small jobs, for big jobs. It doesn't really matter the size of your business. You need quality people. LinkedIn Jobs also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire the right person. LinkedIn Jobs helps you take care of that. Thankfully, that's all free with LinkedIn Jobs and the process is very intuitive, quick, 
and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Final segment of the night. Thank you for joining me here on the Locked On Clippers postcast. And thank you for watching on the Locked On Sports LA YouTube channel and listening on the Locked On Clippers podcast feed. It was a dominant win for the Clippers. I basically, we all basically expected it. It was an interesting first half for the Washington Wiz. And I'm surprised we are... um, 16 minutes into the show and I haven't said nobody beats the Wiz, which I thought was from a television show. I know at one point they referenced it on Seinfeld. Um, And for those of you who are considerably younger than me, uh, the Wiz was a appliance store where you could buy TVs, washers and dryers, things of that nature. And I don't know that it was big here in California, but it was big on the East Coast. And the guy that did the commercial would always say, nobody beats the Wiz. And it was super annoying. Um, So I, I again, saw it on occasion as a kid. It was basically popular in the 80s, um, the 1980s. So uh, I know that at one point in time, they referenced it on Seinfeld. And that's probably why I have it stuck in my head. But every time the Clippers or Lakers or anybody plays the Wiz, I can't help but say, nobody beats the Wiz which doesn't really hold very true uh, for this team because everybody beats the Wiz. They are now 9-37. and 37. Wow. Uh, hence the reason their coach is out of a job and they have an interim head man probably till the end of the year. So uh, that's where that nobody beats the Wiz comes from, uh, an appliance store that has gone the way of the dodo bird, which, by the way, is an extinct bird. If you're wondering what that saying means, I'm big into entomology of things. Yeah, Dodo Bird is now uh, extinct, but there's rumors. It's funny. I don't know. It's like Big Brother and my Google and all that on my phone. I saw a story the other day that somewhere in Africa, they're trying to reintroduce the Dodo Bird. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like a big, big looking pelican kind of a thing. So I don't know. That'd be awesome if they did. (laughs) I guess we'd have to stop saying that. (laughs) But uh, nonetheless, everybody beats the Wiz, including the Clippers, who did it tonight comfortably. Once they got a hold of things in the second half, uh, one of the um, points that Brian Shaw made to Christina Pink on the the sideline was they need to play better D and more importantly, more specifically, more physical D. And they did that. Not that they really needed to because their offense, their offense picked it up more in the second half. It was more about scoring than stopping the whiz from scoring uh, in the first half. They did very well. They were um, again, they shot 57% from the floor in the first half and uh, they finished or the first quarter and they finished the first half only down six. It was 66, 60 at the break. And when the night was all said and done a 46% shooting night for the whiz and they shot nine of 29 for 31% from beyond the arc, less than desired from the free throw line. They missed five going 10 of 15 for 66%. As for the Clippers, More in line where we think they should be. Again, going back a couple of days, that game in Cleveland, uh, they shot 75%, going two of seven in the fourth quarter, and that's not what you're looking for. Tonight, 86%, going 19 of 22, so they missed just three. Beyond the arc, 40%. That's right in line with where they are, uh, 12 of 30. And from the floor, uh, they shot 47%, 47%. for 100. So a good night all in all. As for the bench guys, Daniel Tice, two of five, 
Oh, for one from beyond the arc. He had four points. Russell Westbrook, uh, nine points in 21 minutes going four of 11. He had seven assists, which was really what he was about tonight because he missed two or three alley-oops from James Harden that were spot on. I mean, it were, and he, and it, as Brian Seaman put it, it wasn't because he didn't jump high enough. It was probably because he jumped too high. His head was above the rim, and he kind of got under the basket a little bit and made it tough for him to uh, put it into the basket. But he did have four baskets for nine points and one of two from the free throw line and three rebounds. Uh, some of the bench guys that we don't normally see, like Boston Jr. got in there, played 27 minutes, uh, 5 of 11, had a 3 for 12 points. Uh, Highland played a little bit, 5 minutes, going 1 of 4 for 2 points. And Norman Powell played quite a bit, 27 minutes. He was 5 of 10, had three threes, uh, and scored 14 points with 7 rebounds and 3 assists. As for our superlatives tonight, these are... Uh, our top three players of the night, in my opinion, and I will describe Kawhi Leonard's play tonight as the best smile. I always like to describe Kawhi as having the best smile because, as you know, he very rarely smiles. I think I did see one tonight. Uh, maybe it was just the way the light was shifting around. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe I misinterpreted, but it did feel like he smiled, and he had plenty of reason to smile tonight, uh, just doing everything all over the floor. Perfect from the line, had a three, scored 31 points. His plus minus was 23, as was Mason Plumley, who only scored five points. So just a lot of good basketball tonight, especially from Kawhi Leonard, 14 of 25. So shooting well over 50%, nine rebounds and four assists. So he was taking care of it, taking care of the ball, scoring, defending, rebounding, assisting, just being the fantastic all-star player that he is as for the life of the party that would be james harden who had a big night as well but i felt like he was playing with more energy tonight uh not quite as calm and cool and laid back as normal uh he was also a guy that uh, got it going early he hit his first two threes uh and had a fantastic stat line seven of 15 so just under 50 percent. but 50 percent from beyond the arc that's awesome he was six of six from the free throw line, eight boards. I'm sorry, eight defensive boards, nine in all, five assists and four block shots. So the active hands were working. It, it caused Brian Seaman to comment that he doesn't necessarily have a stat to back this up. But when he compares James Harden's active hands, knocking balls away from the opponent or blocking shots on the uptake for a layup. He said he feels like Chris Paul was very good at that back in the day and did it all the time. And he said, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like James Harden does it better and more frequently. He goes, it might be a recency bias, but I've noticed it too. We've talked about it a lot that uh, that was a big part of the reason they beat the Celtics as badly as they did. They, they were playing defense and breaking up passes, blocking shots, active hands, uh, across the defense, and it made it tough for the Celtics to get good looks. And tonight you saw James Harden a couple of times. Two of his four block shots, I think, were right under the basket when a guy was going for a layup. He just he, and he does it so quickly. It's so slide. Not a foul, no foul, uh, all clean, all ball. He just gets his hand in there and knocks it away. Sometimes it'll go out and they'll call it off of him so it'll still be opponent's ball, but occasionally it kind of goes off the knee and then it'll be a clipper ball. So it's it's uh it's a 
a defensive play that you really like to see under that quote active hands play that the Clippers are very, very good at knocking balls away. So James Harden, uh, life of the party tonight, doing it all just like Kawhi Leonard did. And the most ambitious player of the night, Amir Coffey, doesn't always get to start. He started, I believe, seven times this year. Uh, best stat line in the fewest minutes. In 21 minutes, he missed just two shots. He was perfect from beyond the arc, two for two, and uh, had 17 points. So Amir Coffey was the most ambitious uh, Clippers win it going away tonight, 125-109, leading by as many as 29 points. They had a nice 11-0 run and uh, take care of business, beating the Wiz in D.C. as we expected they would. And I think maybe the first half was a bit of a wake-up call. You know, it, it, it felt like they had to pay attention. They had to kind of focus and say, hey, let's – because their defense wasn't great in the first half. I know I said the Wiz were – filling it up. I mean, they were making baskets, but the Clippers also were playing kind of lackadaisical D they, you could see on their faces and their energy level. I, I feel like at the half Ty Lu, Brian Shaw and the coaching staff had to kind of say, Hey, you guys keep this up. You're going to screw around and lose this game. So they came out and played much better in the third quarter. And you like to see that you really do. And I'm going to share that all important stat about things. The Clippers are doing game after game that are telltale signs for the future. But anyway, in the first half, the defense was a little, little lackadaisical because the, you know, when you're playing a nine win team, you don't necessarily come in focused and ready to go. You kind of feel like, Hey, we can win this game. Even with Paul George out going away. And they did, but a big part of it tonight was that improved defense in the third quarter, two stats that were shared by uh, Brian Seaman and Fratello tonight that were very, very interesting as far as, what what this all means their play of late back to december 1st that all important date that we keep harping on the clippers 20 point leads are in the top 5 in the league this season right so they have acquired these leads and they have maintained them to gather momentum through a game and lead by 20 points for extended periods of time uh i don't have the exact stat but the Clippers are top five in the league when it comes to acquiring a 20-point lead and maintaining it. And they're also taking care of business against sub-500 teams, which is sometimes something that can be very frustrating for good basketball teams or good sports teams in general. How often are you frustrated at your team, whether it's the Clippers or the Dodgers or the Rams or the Chargers or whatever, whatever sport you're into, the Kings, when they're ahead against an inferior team, and they let that team off the mat, back into the game, and they ultimately lose. It happens all the time. I mean, go ask Chargers and Charger fans about that this season. Chargers, I think they had six one-possession losses this year. Games they were winning that they let the opponent back into the game, a team that they should be beating, and they end up losing. So for the Clippers, during this run, they don't do that. They take care of business against sub-500 teams, top five in the league, top two in the league. I don't know exactly what the number is, but they are putting up very solid, proficient stats in that department as well. So those two things tell me so much about what the future holds for this Clippers team that it, it's very positive. It's very encouraging. They're getting these 20-point leads. They're holding on to them, and they're not letting the opponent off the mat. They keep their foot on the throat, and they beat sub-500 Excuse me, sub teams the way they should. So you have to feel really good about that. All right, off tomorrow... 
Back at it on Friday against another sub-500 team. Our next opponent in Detroit, Little Caesars Arena. As you all know, the Pistons have the worst record in the league. They're 6-40, and 40, but, but they've won two of their last four. So, I mean, that's for a six-win team to have two over the last four. And they're playing a little better. And one of them was against the Cavs, and we know what the Cavs are all about. So this is a team I think we should win against. We should beat them. But I think at the same time, you can't take them too lightly. They are, uh, you know, they're trying to prove that they're not the laughing stock of the NBA. So that's what's coming up on Friday, right around four o'clock Pacific Clippers in Detroit at Little Caesars to take on the Pistons. That'll do it for tonight. Thank you for joining me here on the Locked On Sports LA YouTube channel and listening on the Locked On Clippers podcast feed. Have a good night. We will talk on Friday.